The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom. Welcome one, welcome all to yet another edition of the Star Seminar, your team taught class in Cowboys footballology, led by none other than myself, Dr. Rabble Rouser, and the esteemed Dr. Danny Phantom. Doctor, we are on the cusp of the NFL season. The Cowboys 53 has been determined. How are you, sir? I'm doing really good. I mean, I'm a little sad because I really look forward to this time. And, you know, now that's all over with. And so now I, all I have to look forward to now is is the 2023 season. So I guess I just, uh, I'll need to adjust. But I'm doing well because this week's a little bit more chill for me um, as far as busy-wise. Uh, last week was stressful. This week's easier. I'm trying to do a little more things around the house because my wife really just kind of shouldered the burden last week, just doing everything for me. I'm I'm cleaning up after myself. I'm making myself my own food and stuff. But I'll tell you what, yesterday I was making a PB&J, and I am a little weird in some of the things that I do when it comes to how I make food. I don't believe that for a minute. <laughs> I like I, I like my stuff to just kind of be all mixed together. Like if I, I make a salad, I'll put everything in there, and then I'll just like all mix it up. So basically, my I got nice uniformity with my my salad. Mm. There's there's not like bites of this here, bites of that. So, but anyway, my PB and J, I I do my 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 jelly, and my peanut butter, and I mix it all up into like one. Oh, okay. And my that just my wife just does not like that at all. I mean, I don't know what's the big deal. I mean, she when she has a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, she's still eating peanut butter and jelly. But if you if you were to mix them together, suddenly it just becomes this disgusting creation. And it just I don't know. My wife just can't stand it. Um, so is there is there anything that you do that's like, you know, just like, uh, totally annoys your wife? Yes, there is one thing, and that is that. <laughs> I tend to leave cupboard doors open. Mm-hmm. Like I'll put away, I'll put I, like I put away the dishes. I leave the door open, or like if I'm if I'm like busy getting dishes out, I'll leave the door open, and and she'll come into the room, and there'll be like three cupboard doors open, and it 
drives her batty, and she's oh. told me several times, and I don't do anything about what it. What is wrong with you, you psycho? I, I'm uncouth. I'm uncouth in the extreme. I I, I admit it. I am a psycho. <laughs> um, li- but listen, um, speaking of psycho, there's a whole bunch of really interesting decisions the Cowboys front office, which has been called psychotic many times, uh, have made to cut the roster down to 53. And so I think we have a, a lot of really interesting things to talk about. And it's my understanding that you have a little game yes, prepared for yes, us. Yes, I do. tell us about it? Yeah. So basically, I want to play a game called Next Man Up. I want to run through everything. And I want to like pick out some players that if something were to happen to them, you know, how are these depth guys going to, who's going to step in? How, what's your confidence level with those guys? And we'll just kind of just go through everything and just talk about some of these fringe players that are now either on the team or not and just how we feel about the Cowboys roster as a whole. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. I think this is one of my favorite, uh, you know, discussions to have every year as the Cowboys mm-hmm. transition from the, the sort of the sort of preseason phase to the season phase. It's really interesting the way they make those final decisions and bring guys on who we weren't expecting, et cetera. So before we get to that decision, I want to, uh, or the, the discussion, I want to ask you a question. Um, and I'm asking this because uh, my buddy, Big Melly and I just, just made the final, the sort of the final uh, parts of our plan for uh, a sports weekend that we we tend to do a sports weekend every, every year, um, where we'll do like a game on Saturday and then we'll do a Cowboys game on Sunday. So sometimes it's you know sometimes we do in a way we did one in Pittsburgh several years ago. Mm-hmm. We saw a hockey game and then we saw Cowboys at Steelers that great game where where um, where Ezekiel Elliott went went you oh, know, went yeah, off. That's right, right. And that uh, was a great, great weekend. We've done a couple of those. Um, so this year we're going to see the Brewers at Yankees at Yankee Stadium on, on on Sunday day, and then we're hustling down to the Meadowlands and we're going to see Cowboys at Giants Sunday Ooh, night. Nice. So this so this should be a lot of fun. I haven't been to the new Yankee Stadium. I'm looking forward to this. So uh, this brings up the question for you. Do you have any kind of like dream sports weekends like that where you might do like a double dip that includes a Cowboys game? I tell you what, I think I might even be able to swing a triple dip. And uh, I mean, so, I mean, here's the the thing about me. You know this and maybe some people do, but my my loyalty and my teams are a little bit odd because I was raised in California. So I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. Um, that because that's just the teams that were on TV at the time, but they didn't have, when it came to football, it was the Cowboys that were on TV. So those are my three teams. I don't follow hockey. I don't follow other sports. So it's going to be those three teams, but I kind of have three different regions where I can go. I could, I could make this work in the Bay area. I can make it work in Southern California and I can make it work in deep in the heart of Texas if I wanted to. But if I'm going to make my dream scenario, this is how it's going to be. Um, it's going to be a three day weekend. I'm going to, I'm going to catch the Giants at Oracle Park in the World Series against, I don't know, let's say the Astros. You know, in late October. Late October. It's got to be late October to get all three. <laughs> yeah. So that has to, you have to swing it that way. So I'm going to do that for sure. Then I'm going to swing over to Santa Clara over to Levi Stadium where the Cowboys will be playing the San Francisco 49ers. And, of course, and, who, and beating the 49ers. And beating the 49ers. Who would not like, you know, a big, you know, Cowboys 49ers game? And you know what? While we're at it. Let's just go across the bay to Oakland, and I'll check out the Golden State Warriors. Let LeBron come in there and, and to Golden State and watch a good Lakers Warriors game. So that would be my perfect scenario to get all. That would be all a three. miracle of scheduling. It I would. Have to it, say. Oh, it would be yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. and I, the reason I picked San Francisco area is simply because 
that's the game. I, I want the Giants to have home court advantage because that's the biggest game because we're talking World Series. So that's the reason I went that direction. But, Rabs, what about you? I have two, really. Uh, and, and so sometimes it's about the team. Sometimes it's about location. Sometimes it's just about the storied, you know, quality of the event. So the two, the two have a little bit of each of those. The one is I would love if the Cowboys played at Seattle in an early season game that, that where baseball season was still happening. I could do a double dip where on Saturday I was able to go and watch um, the Mariners play at home and because i think their stadium is really cool it's a cool city to be in and then on sunday we would see cowboys at seahawks again two very cool state-of-the-art stadiums really interesting fan bases who are really passionate there'd be a lot of juice and a lot of energy around those games i think it'd be it could be a great weekend plus there's some cool things to do in seattle in between those um the other one is i would love to see and i almost did this a couple years ago and just like something came up and we couldn't we couldn't pull the trigger but i've always wanted to go to see a Cowboys home game that was the Sunday after Texas OU. So I'd like to go to Texas OU for the Red River rivalry, the shootout at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday, and then see the Cowboys play whoever at home the following Sunday. Um, so those, those are a couple of, of, you know, dream trips for me. Um, but, you know, there, there are many, many other permutations that are also very enticing. Well, I'll tell you what, if you ever make it out to the Pacific Northwest for that Seahawks game, you better let me know so I can uh, swing I, up there I, and you'll be the, You'll be the first person to, to, uh, for me to contact. Um, but listen, speaking of enticing, uh, there's a lot of really enticing conversations mm-hmm. to have about this uh, Cowboys roster cutdown. So let's get to that conversation and that game you've got prepared for us, shall we? So what I wanted to do is I wanted to, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here with the Cowboys roster, players that made it, players that didn't, who's on the practice squad, uh, you know, still a lot of questions for us. I mean, we got, we got a lot of the answers that we've been waiting weeks and weeks for, but still, mm-hmm. there's still some things that, you know, we that require discussion. So what I thought we'd do today is we're going to run through this, but I wanted to kind of do it in a way where we can kind of just run through each position and I wanted to at least ask you, you know, if certain key players go down certain positions, who the next man up is and kind of like what that depth chart looks like at certain positions. Because for me, Rabs, there's still a lot of questions in some in some of these positions that give me a little bit of concern. So I wanted to kind of take that approach. So if you don't mind, let's uh, just get rolling here and uh, we'll run through the offense. I think um, with the quarterback... I don't even think there's anything to say. We all saw this coming. It, it was going to be these three. You know, Will Greer is, is off to, is it Cincy? Is that where he's got that's, that's right, yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously uh, there's there is really no place for him here. So, I mean, you know, you look at these players, sign other other places, and there is no there's no opportunity for him to work his, work himself into seeing any type of meaningful um, reps there with, with the addition of Trey Lance. So, done with quarterback, nothing to talk about. I actually do have one quarterback question for you, however. Uh Yep. So who do you think the acquisition of Trey Lance knocked off the Cowboys roster? Uh, I think you, it was, you and I have been talking for a while that we only thought they were going to take two, two quarterbacks. So if if that's true, that means Trey Lance knocked a position player off the roster. Do you still think that's the case? It has to be. I mean, there's, I mean, the math if you're, if they were going to take two and now they take three, somebody's left off. Um, I, I mean, to me, it's my, my bubble guy, the guy that it would really knocked off mine is, is Isaiah land. I think that 
I think the Cowboys may have may have kept him. I mean, I look, I really thought that he had a had a had a good shot. I mean, with the you know, you look at the preseason production that he had, and and also too, I just think it fits with what the Cowboys could need after a year of development as these other mm-hmm. other players. So that's my player. Who, who do you got for your player? Well, I'm actually see. Here's the thing. Now, when we look at the numbers, what I'm wondering is if the guy he knocked off the roster is Will Greer. If they at the Cowboys were actually thinking three quarterbacks all along, it's possible. I mean, so that's the question that I'm really trying to I'm really trying to, to work through here is does does this mean that that you know it's a pretty simple swap? Um, because I think that when it first happened, my first thought was, oh my goodness, a, that means there's a really good player that, that that's not going to make the roster now. But then I thought, hmm, I wonder if it's just that they were going to take three all along, and he basically just, they just upgraded that third quarterback position. Yeah. Anyway, I think food for thought. No, it's. I mean, it's a great point too because, I mean, the 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 new rules kind of incentivize teams to do that to to keep that quarterback exactly or emergency exactly. quarterback and it doesn't count against your active roster. So, uh, you're out, you know that could be very well their plan all along. I, I don't know, um, but we do know what their plan all along was at running back, and it played out like, like. Most everyone expected. Um, some of us just were, as I predicted. Yeah, uh, I, and of course we, you know, we got Malik on the practice squad, so I feel like that makes me feel a little better because um, I do have some um, trust issues with with good old Rico and his durability, mm-hmm. and so having Malik as in our back pocket, if if something were to happen, uh, makes me feel better. So super Very happy to see him on the practice squad. Yes. He, he's I've heard people talk about him. He's a, he's a he's an NFL running back. You know, I mean, he he can he can come in and and, and you know if, if if needed to, he can give you NFL quality snaps, and that's that's a great luxury to have. I really thought that he was going to play a little better in the preseason. I figure like I was impressed with what tape I saw from him last year. I figured if he like you know takes the next step, I really expected to, to, to see better things from him. But it turns out it was Rico that I saw better things from. Mm-hmm. I finally got to see um, what you know he's been built up to be so I'm, I'm i'm very comfortable with cowboys running back situation and i'm also very comfortable with their their tight end situation i mean i would have preferred to if john stevens jr didn't get hurt but you know that's just the way things go now but uh i was a little surprised that hunter lipke made the team um i was thinking that sean McEwen would be their choice over him and i still feel that is the case but the cowboys went the strategic approach and, and protected the talent and subjected the, you know, the lesser known mm-hmm. value player to, to, to waivers. And sure enough, what happens McEwen is back. So, I mean, what's your feeling with the uh, tight end? Well, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised because this is something we talked about a, a long time, uh, you know, for a long time at the very beginning of training camp, we talked about the tight end position and I offered at the time, I thought that the guy who would be competing for Sean McKean's job would be Hunter Lipke. And I really feel like they, they played a similar role. It's not that they play the exact position. It's that, it's that there's a sort of, you know, um, satellite uh, H back F back type of position that they both, they both tend to inhabit. And I, I thought that, um, you know, Lipke, Lipke, they unveiled Lipke in that final preseason game. And my feeling was that they did that not because they were out of, options and they didn't want to they didn't want the other running backs to get snaps i feel like one of the reasons why they unveiled lipke and took the took the you know took the the wrapping off of him or you know um was because they'd already decided that he was on the roster 
I felt like I feel like they didn't want to they they weren't worried about exposing him because they knew he was already on. So they're like, let's 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 give him some some all important snaps. Um, in a recent press conference uh, the other morning, um, uh, Mike McCarthy said that that Lepke does remind him a lot, and and he used this term apparently when they were scouting him um, of John Kuhn. And you know we know how much he loved John Kuhn, and uh, how how versatile John Kuhn was. All the things that we've talked about with Lepke particularly in conjunction with some of the other, like, like Kevante Turpin and other guys gives the Cowboys offense a tremendous amount of versatility. I think that that versatility was just too much to pass up. And I, and I think that I, I felt like that was a really strong possibility that would happen. And it, and it see, it seemed for a while, like it might not manifest, but then, you know, toward the end, it felt, it felt even clearer. So I have to say, I'm not particularly surprised. I think Lipke has more upside, but one of the things that you and I talked about before we started recording was that there's a handful of guys on the practice squad who are likely to be game day call-ups, you know, early in the season, first half of the season before they have to be potentially, you know, brought to the 53. And I think McKeon is one of those guys. I would expect to see him either, either, uh, you know, dressed and have Lipke not dressed or in certain situations, both of them dressed if they feel like the game plan really warrants having a couple guys who play that position. But I, I think you need more than one guy, right. Who plays that kind of satellite F back. And, and so the fact that the fact of the matter is they have two. and, you know, the point of this game is who's next man up. I think it's pretty clear. Lipke's your starter. Next man up in this position is, is McKean. Yeah, I would almost point the other direction to where I... it might it might it might go the other direction at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and I think you know H back F back. I'm calling him a J back, Jack back yeah, I, for a Jack. I think that's a great Jack of all trades because that guy. I mean, uh, honestly, to the the one of the reasons I had doubt about him not making the is because I hadn't seen a whole mu- a whole lot from mm-hmm. him. But I tell you what, they did un- unleash him in the last game, and I'm very impressed with. With what he does in the receiving game too, and I do think the Cowboys. Oh my God! His ha- for a big guy, his hands are so soft. It was incredible to yeah. watch. There was a couple really like that one pass where real Will Greer threw it left-handed, and yeah, it was way short, and he just picked he it just up adjusted, off the turf. Yeah. Picked it up off the turf as easy as you could be as this, as a, as, a, as an experienced nanny cradling a baby. It was so it was so great, and I was like, oh man, this this guy's got a, he's got a lot of skills to exploit. Yeah. Speaking of soft hands. Um, what is your impression of uh, the Cowboys' decision at wide receiver? Obviously, the big one is Jalen Brooks made it. Again, I'm not surprised at all. I've said for a while now I think it's going to be six. I thought it was going to be Jalen Brooks. I thought that the other guys, you know, like Simi Fajoko, were way, were significantly behind in that race. And it turns out, given that Fajoko wasn't even offered a position on the practice yeah. squad, that that, in fact, proved to be the case. So I would say that, you know, one of the questions I asked you last time was um, – have we is is the position are, are all the skill position uh decided and you know we we went through those and i think for the most part they were like dowdle was in jalen brooks was in i i feel like um you know for the most part that's been clear for a while so not a lot of surprises really across the cowboys offensive skill positions for me i think there are some surprises however at the position i think you're getting ready to go to which is the offensive line. Yeah, they're definitely for sure. But I did want to, so, I want to mention one thing about this, uh, the Jalen Brooks thing. Uh, to me, he was kind of like a coin flip. I, I wasn't sure if he would make it or not. I, I mean, we've been hearing great things at a camp. I mean, like you said, it's it's been no surprise. He totally deserves it. But I just feel like the Cowboys, with, with the group of players they have, with, with Lipke and with uh, Kevontae Turpin and just, and, and with Brooks, I just, there's just so many 
different skill sets that these players have and what they can bring to the offense. And I mean, if one of the if the Cowboys do what they, if their plan is to go heavy wide receiver and one of them gets hurt, I feel like confident that like Jalen Brooks will come in and be a solid wide receiver four. I just feel like they're just a really loaded group. So I, I, I'm very, you know, pleased with uh, with what they have here. So I, I am too. I actually, actually want to take a, a, just a second here and ask you, like, if you're if you're a coach or you're scouting wide receiver, what is the attribute or attributes that are at the top of your list? Like, what's an attribute for wide receiver that you want above all else? No, you got to create separation. Right, and how do you create separation? Either either with elite speed or with in, in, like very precise route running, right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's two ways. I mean, some people are just the, they're really good at varying their tempo as far as how yep, they're able yep. to move. And like I think C.D. Lamb is one of those because I don't think he's necessarily a route fundamentalist, you know, as far as like Amari, you know, with the way with his mm-hmm. footwork and the and the things that he does. Um, but but there's other with the, the pacing that mm-hmm. so he I, lulls you to sleep and then explodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely for yeah. me. And I, I think the thing that uh, I learned both from watching film of, of camp, but also being at camp with you and with other folks for the, for that first week was that Jalen Brooks is a very sophisticated route runner, especially given how little experience he had in college. He's a, a very developed route runner and, and does a great job uh, creating separation in, in his routes, in his cuts. Like he does a great job of like cutting just when the defensive back is stepping the other way, he's he's really uh, you know he's really he's not an explosive athlete. Reminds me, I mean, I'm not going to compare him to Michael Irvin, but in terms of his explosiveness, but his ability to create separation through through um, using using balance and leverage against the against the defensive back, I felt like watching him. There's some things that Irvin used to do where he'd wait to make his cut to the guy had made a different step, and then he'd create separation that way because the guy was going the opposite direction. And Brooks is really good at that. And, and I mean, time after time, he created separation, you know, both from the slot, but also from the outside. And I, I just feel like that's a trait. And plus, he's a big physical guy. That's that's a trait that is so rare uh, in, in, in young wide receivers. And the fact that he brought that, I just, you know, when you, when you look back over the landscape of, of the, the offseason, it just, you know, it, it all just makes sense now. Yeah, and I, another thing too is I think with those those skills that you said combined with his ability to I think he, the way he snatches balls that you yep. know he's able to just like make these really great catches. I mean, and the, the, he doesn't really always have the best body position, but he's got just a really good catch radius. And and I think those things are just going to earn a lot of trust when he starts making plays. And then I think that's going to just you know, you know, Dak's going to remember things like that, and I just it will make him even more involved into the offense because I mean, I, I just yeah, he's a good player. I mean, didn't didn't know who he was when the Cowboys drafted him, but I think that he's everything that they've asked for. You know, from a seventh round pick, uh, so and 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 then some, and then some, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Now let's move on to you know a position that gives me a little bit of a of a concern, and and there were some <laughs> there there were some surprises here too. This is a this is one where I want to really want to throw this next man up at you because I want to kind of break it down in little pieces here. So let's just go easy. Like, okay, Tyrons gets hurt. What's happening? Who's playing where? I mean, I think it's it's it depends on the length of the injury. I think if it's short term, it's it's uh, uh, awesome. Richards is going to come in. He's probably he's probably going to be the left side swing. 
I would suspect he's the left side swing for now. It seems like he's going to be the left side swing and Chuma Dobo is going to be the right side swing or the right, the right backup, right tackle. He could be the swing tackle to both sides, but I don't, I'm not sure that, that, that that's the case. Maybe at first he will be and Richards won't be, but I, I get the sense that both of them are going to be game day dresses. And so, um, but if but if but if uh, if Tyron Smith goes down for any length of period, I think then then uh, Tyler Smith you know right. just, just okay. pop, pops out to tackle. Okay, and, and then we'll get to that next question here in a second. So then, so Terrence, if he goes out, you thinking that Chuma is over there handling the right side? I think so. Yeah, if Terrence Steele goes down, I think it's Chuma Doba. I do. Yeah. I wish I could see more of Chuma to have a better confidence level in how I, to answer that question because. To me, I've been so impressed with Awesome Richards to where it's like I feel like if T- Tyron uh, goes out for a few games, or, or like if Steven Steele goes out for a few games, I think you can move. To, I could feel good about moving Tyron to the right side because we know that he mm-hmm, can jump mm-hmm. right back into that, and then have Awesome play over in the left side where he's shown to be really comfortable at, and that could be possibly the answer there. So, but but I, without knowing really what you're getting from Chuma. I mean, it's tough to answer. I I think it's really dependent on when in the season this happens, because I think that I, I, I feel pretty confident at some point in mid mid season to like three quarters of the way through the season, uh, awesome Richards is going to surpass Chuma Doba. Right. And so like at some point he'll be the next guy up. And, but I think for now, I think they'd probably be inclined again, depending on the length of time to rely on, on Doba's sort of veteran smarts and savvy. Because they feel like that could go a long way if they protect him, and uh, you know he he has a little bit more anchor strength and and those kind of things. I mean he's not a great he's not a great option, but I think that he's a solid option. You know, and 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 many teams have worse worse options. Um, but I I think that you know the the Willetsko injury really, and obviously the ball injury. If we believe the ball was was in fact making the team. Um, I think really put a, like a, a, a ninth inning wrench in the works. I think thing, you know, things were starting to get clarified and then both those dudes got hurt. And I think that they had to scramble a little bit. I will say this, that I am going to be very uneasy if well, let's go ever has to come out and, and play the swing spot. If, Cause I have not been, I just don't, I don't think he's ready. I think he still needs to work on his hand technique mm-hmm. because he's just, I mean, he could be effective sometimes, but he can be just straight out, flat out dreadful others. And so yep. I, I honestly wouldn't mind seeing a little more development. I mean, there's only what year two for him. I mean, he missed out on year one because of the shoulder, but and, I mean, and, yeah. And it's almost, it's almost year one because he right. lost the, almost the entire year. So for me, I, I think there's still a, a little bit to work, the work that needs to be done there. But speaking of an area that, you know, you brought up Josh ball and I'll tell you what, so if we lose one of our guards, uh, I, I would have felt better about this situation before Josh Ball got hurt. I thought Ball played really well. I, I was very impressed with how he was doing on the inside. He's he's much better inside than outside. He played a little bit of outside in the last pre- and he just like it was like the Josh Ball we remember and, and hated and but mm-hmm. but I thought I've been impressed with him and what he's done on the inside. But that's not even an option for the Cowboys now. So Rabs, next man up, if Zach Martin or or you know Tyler Smith you know go down, who's who's our Next guard. It's TJ. He's ready. You think he's ready? Uh, I I think I think he's ready in this sense. I think that one of the reasons they liked him was he has something that Matt Farniak and Hoffman, all those cats don't have, which is NFL strength. He can anchor and he's got power inside. 
you know, and he, and he played, I mean, listen, he was like an all American tackle. So he was, he was enough of a foot athlete to play tackle in the pac 10. Uh, obviously he was a guard. I mean, he just, he's not, he's not an NFL tackle, but he's, he, he's the Cowboys love guys who play tackle who they can kick inside. I think he came on late and I, this is a really interesting question. I have no idea what the answer is, but it's a really interesting question is had ball not gotten injured, would Bass still have beaten ball out for that last spot? I think maybe so. I don't think, I, I think Bass wasn't going anywhere. I think Bass makes the roster. I think you're, I, I don't, I think so. I don't I think, think ball might've gotten, I don't think so. I mean, I just you think ball, you think ball and Bass make the roster or do you think Bass was going to make the roster either way? And ball's injury just gave them an opportunity to stash him for a year to see what happens. It's tough. I think they go long. I think they go long there. Cause I, I, I know I think they keep ball. I mean, I've been impressed with ball, you know, other people, you know, that we talk to and that we respect have been impressed with the, how he's improved there too. So, I mean, oh, absolutely. It, it, absolutely. it tracks yeah. to me. So, uh, and, and also to the fact that the Cowboys don't have many other options too. I mean, we're going to talk about the guys who didn't make the team uh, here in a second, as we move into our center discussion too. But, um, and I think that to me that the balls at a, at a higher level to where I feel confident. He's, you talk about strength, he's got strength, you know, um, so no, I, I no, I think he makes it. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't. There wasn't a doubt really that he made it. So I, I would have liked to seen what how it played out because, um, you know, I'm disappointed. I, I mean, I guess my my doubt largely comes from the fact that TJ Bass made the roster, and it's it's making me wonder if he was if he was going to beat Ball out anyway, if he was on the come, and they and they were and, because I'm not sure they keep two guys who are basically backup right guards. You know, uh, it's an it, it's an interesting question, and I'm not sure. I mean, it's possible that Ball makes it, and they try to put Bass on the on the practice squad. But speaking of the practice squad, I know the position that we haven't really got a chance to talk about that we need to really talk about a center because, as you've just intimated, and I talked about a little bit earlier, neither Matt Farniak nor um, uh, Hoffman, both of whom seem to be vying for the backup center role all all preseason, made the roster. And they didn't even, I mean, they brought Brock Hoffman back to the practice squad. Farniak, they didn't even make it. They didn't even offer him the practice. I think they were just done with yeah. him. They basically, I mean, the, their behavior is really interesting. I, they, I think they just felt like, okay, we know who this dude is, and this guy's not going to cut it. Yeah, no, especially after seeing who they, they signed to the practice squad. It was clear yep. to me that if you just don't have the strength, then you just don't got it. I mean, there's, there's really no level for him to go there's he 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 continues to struggle he gets pushed around i mean it was a really it was a unfortunately poor uh preseason for forniak i mean he's been he's been viable at times but not this year it's almost like he's you know taking a step back and to be honest rabs i wasn't even pleased with brock hoffman who i was excited about watching no, this year no, they, 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 neither they both were just I don't know, huge liability in the interior line. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about Sean Har Harlow. You know, he's an Oregon State Beaver. I did watch a little tape yesterday. I watched a little bit of the preseason with the Giants, and I watched a little bit of, of when he was in Arizona against the Eagles in the game last year. And I will say this. He reminds me, he's, he's actually very similar to Brock Hoffman, I think. I mean, there's a, mm -hmm. there, I mean, there's, I'm not, I don't think Cowboys got themselves a nice upgrade there. I think, I think we're just like maybe a small upgrade. Um, but he does have strength, you know, which Hoffman does over Farniak. Um, so, and I think mm -hmm. he does a little bit better at kind of securing his blocks. He doesn't quite whiff as, um, you know, 
as poorly as Brock Hoffman does. So I, but I feel like we almost got the same player, just maybe slightly better. And definitely, he's more seasoned. He's got a lot of, a lot of. I think that's time. the key. Yeah, yeah I and, think that's the real key. But I mean, I'm not overly thrilled about it. But I did want to say too, as I, I don't see any way that he's not one of the practice squad guys that gets um, brought up because Cowboys can't. One hundred percent. Yeah, he, he's. They can't go into a game without a backup center. So he's a center guard early in the season. He's going to be one of the three game day backups at, at, at offensive line. Absolutely. It'll be him, probably him, Awesome Richards, and Adogba. I don't know that they can afford to carry TJ Bass when when Sean Harlow can back up both guards as well. And 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 both Adogba and and uh, Richards can conceivably kick inside. So I, I would suspect that it'll be those three dudes. I will say that I I feel like. All along, the talent at the end, at the bottom of the of the offensive line group, was the weakest of, of the bottom of any of the groups, and and people were saying that they would take ten, and it just didn't make sense to me because I felt like to do that would mean almost certainly they were taking an offensive lineman who was a worse player at his position than somebody at a different position. So I feel like I feel like I'm really happy they made the decision to go to go light. I don't love the fact that they're light, but I I I don't know that. If they kept anybody, it would make a, a, a you know a, a major difference in terms of the quality of the group, and so that allowed them to keep better players elsewhere. And I'm happy about that. No, but you know, going from light to deep, what yes. about this defensive line? I mean, honestly, I don't have a lot to say on this unit, especially a defensive end. It's the guys we thought. No surprises, mm-hmm. except maybe you were hoping that they were going to keep Isaiah Land. That didn't happen, and he got uh, picked up, and he's going to the Colts. Um, defensive tackle, one guy on there that was kind of on the fringe, but I think you know, I think you were all on top of this last week. You know, you mentioned it, Mister Neville Gallimore made the team. I mean, yeah. you're, you know, again, as you would say, you're not surprised. So, I mean. You please. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised by the numbers, but ultimately, I'm not surprised because he really came on and he had himself a heck of a camp and, and made some really explosive plays. And uh, you know, he, he's they, they've they've got a, lot, a big investment in him. I, I think the thing about Land is, yeah, he they they we could t- let's talk about Isaiah Land for just a second because there's not a lot to talk about these other positions either. Uh, I think that. Um, this is one where I think a lot of Cowboy fans are 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 wringing their hands. But if we look at this realistically, how much of a contribution? I mean, yes, he may have made a contribution in future, but is he is he is he the kind of player that was ever really going to be a big contributor? Like, is Isaiah Land the kind of guy who's going to keep you from drafting a second round defensive end at some point? No, I don't think so. You know, I mean, he's not going to be a starter. He's going to be a rotation guy. Maybe if he builds up, he can be you know a Dante Fowler type of guy. And and the thing is, there's one of those guys every year. Yeah, it, it, it stinks that they lost him, but I don't even think three years from now. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he'll be maybe he'll be, you know, the second coming of Micah Parsons. But I think he's always going to be an athletically limited, try hard guy who needs to work on his pass rush moves to really be effective because he doesn't have elite athleticism. If he did, listen, this is a, this is a league that wants defensive ends almost as much as they want quarterbacks. He's not. You know, they, they didn't they didn't value him. So anyway, I think that you know, given the given the depth of the room, they couldn't keep him. And and given the fact that, you know, 
what's his upside in three years? Yeah, it may, he might have been, been a contributor, but I don't know there's any guarantee. I think ultimately you have to just take a chance that he gets the practice squad right. because you, you can't afford to keep him on the no, roster. I, anyway, I get th- it. Th- that's all I got to say. I think you're right. I get it. I mean, I mean, in hindsight, it's easy to say, hey, this is the guy we, we would have liked to keep. Someone obviously – He's making an NFL roster, but you're absolutely right. You can't, I mean, it, there's still so much uncertainty. We don't know. So, you know, got to be, you just got to be okay with the decision. So, but one decision that I don't know if I'm okay with this, this Cowboy team, they are super light at linebackers. And so, uh, Leighton, Damone Clark and Devin Harper, that's it. No Jabril, no Jabril's. And I, where, where do you feel about that? I think they have five linebackers. I think that I think we also have to, uh, you know, include J. Ron Chris and Marquise Bell as linebackers. I think they're both basically, for all intents and purposes, we could we side linebackers. I'll give you I'll give you J. Ron. I cannot give you Marquise. That guy's like the lightest safety they have. He's the same size as Overshawn. No, he's not. That can't be right. Fact yes, check. Yes, fact check that. You know, somebody. To- he's, he's he's he may be a couple pounds lighter, but he's essentially the same size as Overshawn. Oh man. So I they they have a prototype. For the for the sort of physical dimensions of their weak side linebacker, who's the sort of eighth box player, and whether it's a guy who played linebacker or a guy who played safety, and so let me ask you this: If you have three guys, if you have Jabril Cox, you have Marky Spell, and you have Jaron Curse, who are you keeping? No, I get it. Uh, you're right. I get oh, it. So there it is. I mean, and that's the Cowboys thinking. I think that we, you know, we tend, as old school football fans, we tend to think about people in discrete positions and so we think oh there's a there's a will linebacker there's a kind of guy who's a, who's their will linebacker and we think well the only one really it was overshown and it was cox and therefore those are the two will linebackers and the fact of the matter is they see that kind of like back seven hybrid guy as as a yeah. as a as a flexible fluid position and frankly they have two guys at least who are better at that no, and maybe even I, Israel Kwamu, who's better at that than Jay, than um Jabril no Kwamu. i get it i mean it, may, it makes sense i just tell you i'm just a little concerned because when i start to envision like how can the cowboys defense get behind the eight ball where, where can there be some some issues for them and i and i start to think about the eagles in their offensive line and they start getting in six linemen and 13 personnel and they're really attacking the second level and and say LVE gets hurt because he's, you know, he used to do that. And then suddenly we're really light and light. And you want Mar- little Marquise Bell out there trying to, to you know, take on these blocks and stuff? I, I don't know. It concerns me. I, 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 I'll tell you what. I think the the Cowboys coaches think that they'd rather have Marquise Bell taking on the blocks than little Jabril yeah, Cox, who's actually less physical right. and not, and not right. significantly larger. All right, you got me there. So um, anyway, I mean, we kind of talked about with mix this in with safety too. I mean, I, I'm very pleased. To see uh, Wanye Thomas on the team, love it, love it, love it. So happy for him. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm really the Cowboys. They're so stacked at safety. But let's finish off this. Um, I think we, I think we're agreeing that there were no surprises at safety. However, right? There were no surprises at safety. No, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. So yeah, so I think the last position that, and the one that merits a little bit of discussion is corner. So please, yeah, please proceed. This one is a little bit tough because I mean. We we know the big three, and then they decided they're going to keep you know Jordan Lewis right out of the gate. He's not pupped, um, so we got him. And then the Cowboys traded, you know, you know Kelvin Joseph. I mm-hmm. I, I, I will say this: um, I don't know a whole lot about Noah Ig- Igbinagane. Igbinagane, yeah. <laughs> um, but I will well I will say that he looks like 
he's equally worrisome, only he's on the outside. So, yep. and I, I'll give the Cowboys credit because they recognized we need more outside help than inside help because we got players that can handle the inside, uh, handle the slot. Um, but outside corner to me is, is a big worry. I mean, if you look at the depth they have. So that's, I, I, I liked mm-hmm. I liked the thinking there. I don't know if I like the player because um, Igbenogane is, I mean, I don't know what to, I, I guess I don't have much expectations of him and I certainly don't have any expectations of our rookie development corner, Eric Scott Jr. So honestly, it's it's still a, a, an area that worries me. How are you feeling about corner? I, I think there's a couple things. So first of all, I think that um, uh, Deron Bland showed last year that he can kick outside and, and be a decent corner. So I think that they feel like between Eric Scott and Deron Bland, they basically have the third and fourth outside corners locked up and they're pretty, and they're feeling pretty good about that. I think that we were over investing in Calvin Joseph because we want so desperately for that draft pick to pan out. I'm, I'm starting to hear a little bit, and you probably have heard the same thing that one of the issues they have with Calvin Joseph was his, his focus play to play. Like he was great for one play, but like over a course of a series, invariably there was going to be a kind of like focus breakdown. He just didn't have the ability to focus play after play after play in like a nine on a nine game or excuse me, a nine play possession. So invariably one of those, he was just going to kind of like wander off. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes in that position. That's all it takes. And that was lessened of course, on the inside than it was on the outside. We saw that happening as Jacksonville last year and the coaches pulled him immediately and they pulled him immediately because they were like, this is the same stuff you always do, bro. You cannot cost us. Right. And so you cannot have a corner who doesn't focus every play. Okay. So I, I, I believe that they were testing to see not whether he was a good athlete, not whether he was a, you know, a physical tackler, any of those things, but whether his focus down to down, could be something they could trust. And I believe that they found him lacking in that regard and he was going to be cut either way. So let's imagine a situation in which, you know, he's going to be cut. Nation Wright is probably your next guy up on the outside. Speaking of the game that we're playing, but he's injured. You know, you're going to cut because, because Joe Jordan Lewis is probably going to come back before game four. You're like, he's our backup now. And in the meantime, maybe it's Mukwamu or somebody like that. But the Jordan Lewis is basically the next guy, next guy up to play the slot. It's a really good backup slot. I mean, most teams would kill out a backup slot. The quality of Jordan Lewis starting game, starting game three. Okay, Joseph's not going to be that guy. They were going, they were going to cut Joseph no matter what. Let's just imagine that's that's the reality. So you're going to cut a guy. You know, you have the next guy up who you do want to keep because he's starting to really emerge on special teams in Nation Wright, and he's a you know he's if he's your fifth corner, you're doing just fine. So, so, but you, but, but he's injured. And so, you know, you just need another body at corner. So what, what, what a, what a, what a windfall it is to trade an asset that you're getting rid of anyway, for a guy who can be a, a sort of third string outside corner for a few weeks until, until like someone like Nation Wright comes back. And I think that's what happened. I think they traded an asset that they were getting rid of anyway for a guy who can fill in for a few weeks. And, and listen, the dude's, the dude's got some athletic upside. You never know. He might stick. But it, it, it's a, it's a high-risk, high-reward proposition. But they, he's not going to start. If he starts, like, in any meaningful way, it's one of those, like, the season's, the season's screwed because he's, he's like the fifth, fifth man up. You know, so, so, I, I, so I think that 
you know, if you can trade an asset for a guy who's a, an experienced vet who's got some athletic upside to, to take the place of a guy who's basically a special teamer for a few weeks until that special teamer can, can heal up and come off IR, that's a win-win. I, I expect I expect Igben Ogbené to be off the roster when, when Wright comes back. Okay, that's fair. I, I, I expect that too. But I tell you what, I just don't think Nation Wright is, is the answer. And I feel this is my next man up is I think that the answer isn't going to be uh, Igben Nagane, and I think it's not going to be Nation Wright. I think that in the next few weeks, the Cowboys realize, and hopefully it doesn't happen if someone gets hurt, but I think that player is going to come from the practice squad, and I think it's going to be Josh Butler. To me, I, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably that, that's not, but see, I guess the question is the answer to what? Like, what's the question that those guys are answering? Yeah, who's going to be? Well, I mean, so, so like, so who's going to, like, if when Stefan Gilmore and, and Trevon Diggs both go down for the season, who's going to get more snaps? I mean, like, like again, we're talking about catastrophic scenarios here in which these guys even have to be the answer. Well, I mean, you could be a, or a player, you know, players can get hurt within game and you can, you could. Yeah. And that's why you've got Eric Scott and that's why you've got oh, um, uh, Deron Bland. Oh, oh, that's a, that's a little scary to me. I think. I, I, I mean, the bland. Obviously, he's he he's shown that he can hold his own out there. But I do think it gets a little bit thin after that. I don't think Eric Scott's ready, and I think that you know Igbenogane could be can you know can show why you know Dolphin fans aren't sad that he's gone. And then don't even get me started with Nation Wright. I mean, I don't know. So, but nonetheless, overall, I'm very pleased with this roster. Are you very pleased? I think you should be. Yeah, I mean, this- it, listen, listen. Uh, let's go back to the question that I asked you last time, which were, were it was just based on a, on a statement by John Machota, which is that this is the best roster he's he's seen in his time covering the Cowboys, and he started covering them in 2010. I agree. I think this team is loaded. You know, the decisions that we're talking about, like we can we can bemoan these decisions, but the reality is that every, for every guy lost, they kept the guy who is like two positions on the depth chart lower than he would have been three or four years ago on, on those rosters. So like they are so much deeper, so much more talented, so much better equipped to be able to handle injuries and those changes of fortune that characterize NFL seasons. This team is poised. Honestly, this team is poised to go out and absolutely dominate the NFC and get at least to the NFC championship. I, I, I agree. And I think that, you know, if you look at what they have on offense with so much so many different dynamic players and, and different ways that they can attack you. And then you look at all the players and their commitment to their guys. And then and there's a lot of players on here that are year two Dan Quinn guys. They might not be, you know, I mean, if you look at like people like Wanya Thomas, year two, Marquise Bell, and just, I mean, the list goes on with the, uh-huh. you know, Devin Harper's year two. Just, and I think that you get, uh, you you have this depth and, and, and this trust into what, you know, these players that you're developing um, it could mean really good things. I mean, and that's, I, I think the Cowboys roster is loaded. They're built for a championship. And uh, speaking of building rosters for a championship, Rabs, you know, I think we um, we have to at least acknowledge the, you know, the passing of one of the great Cowboy icons in Gil Brandt. And so, I mean, you're a yes. little older than me and you, you have a, st- a stronger feel for what he's brought to this organization too. I mean, but I certainly as well have a great appreciation. I, I don't even think that we're cowboy fans if it wasn't for someone like him. Because I mean, America's team might may have never existed because of just what he has been able to do with the incredible um, talent that he has brought to this team. So, 
I think Bob Sturm characterized him as one of one. Like the idea is if there's a draft of all the great scouts and all the great scouting minds, he's, he's, you know, the, the first, the first overall pick, uh, you know, and he, because he was a transcendent influential player in terms of drafting talent acquisition, scouting, scouting processes, the way you retain information, the things you look for that, that allow people to win for four or five decades for a long, long time. And, you know, the Cowboys had such an advantage in talent for years and years and years. I, I mean, they had great, they had great leadership, Tech Schramm, Tom Landry, great leadership, but they also were just so much better than other teams. He understand how to use the draft. He understand how to use trades to, to acquire more draft picks and get, I mean, he, he was years ahead in terms of using computers and the, and the, and the traits we look for years ahead of his peers all through the, all through the sixties into the seventies and into the early eighties. And then eventually the, the league did catch up with the Cowboys, but um, yeah, I, I, you know, you cannot uh, overestimate his contributions to the Cowboys. He's right there in the Mount Rushmore of, of sort of Cowboys management. Um, and maybe even if you include players, he might, even even make Mount Rushmore. I think he'd be he'd be certainly in the final conversation. But more than that, I think he's in the he's in the final conversation in terms of guys who have had you know a big influence on on the way that this league has developed in this in the last sort of fifty years of its heyday. The league would not be what it is without Gil Brandt. We've lost a giant. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean to and to, even the Cowboys the, themselves and, and all the great players. Too. I mean, people will ask questions like how did you guys get Roger Stahl back so late and, you know it's Gil Brandt, Gil Brandt. how did you get how did <laughs> you guys were like one of the top teams in the league and how'd you end up getting Tony Dorsett in the draft you know and Gil, Brandt. Gil Brandt yeah or Hers- Herschel Walker <laughs> out of the UFO Gil yeah, Gil Brandt. that's the answer so um yeah, yeah I mean so I'm, I obviously think uh, Cowboy fans longtime Cowboy fans especially are internally grateful for what he has done to this organization for sure um, but that is all we have for our show today. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Balagi the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review wherever you get your podcast. Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Tell us what you think. Anything you would like to see us do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics or any roster decisions that you don't agree with, or what is your favorite, your dream scenario sports weekend? You know, let us know. You can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyPhantom24. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we've got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the World's Team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart, so make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later. Pour one out and raise a glass to Gill.